I'm Randy Nichols, and this is The Right Angle. You know, in the 1980s, I listened to a lot of uh, heavy metal music, had the mullet driving around in the Camaro, listening to the hair bands. And uh, me and my friends found ourselves as kind of a loss in the 90s when the only hard music we could find was the grunge music of Nirvana, bands like that. Um, and I remember making fun of the people listening to U2 and R.E.M., bands that I would enjoy very much today. And in the 90s, I had to branch out. I uh, went through country phase, uh, eventually a jazz phase, uh, and listened to a lot of Christian music. I went to Christian concerts that were bands that I would not enjoy then, but I love now, and I'm really glad I got to see them. Um, but I recently went back and revisited a lot of that music. Um, a lot of the 80s, even secular 80 bands, 80s bands have the have new albums out, and there's a bit of a resurgence there. Um, <clears throat> I even went to a Christian metal concert, and uh, and then eventually made my way back around to the 90s. And uh, in listening to the 90s Christian bands that I, uh, a lot of the stuff I missed back then, I came across uh, bands like MXPX, and uh, in looking at their discography, I discovered that they had left the faith. Uh, and researching this led to more other bands who had been Christian bands in the 90s, and uh, at least some members had left the faith. And I was looking into why, and a lot of the uh, stories of deconversion, a new term uh, we're recently hearing, I uh, realized a lot of people aren't, they grew up in youth groups where they were not grounded, they were not taught truth, they were, there was a lot of emotion and a lot of Christianese and a lot of shallow theology. So, um, this has struck me in such a way that uh, I'm looking for it. And recently, hearing about the good Mythical Morning guys uh, really stood out to me. I had heard my kids talk about them, uh, but not in the context of being Christians, and which made it all the more interesting because uh, they were only known as kind of an entertaining YouTube uh channel and uh and finding out they were not only christians but uh involved with crew um really makes their story interesting so uh campus crusade for christ uh would not be a ministry known for shallow theology or for not vetting people that they have on staff um, but, uh, and so that makes this, this story, uh, fascinating as well. So, uh, listen to, um, each of their deconversion stories. Uh, their names are Rhett and Link. Uh, Rhett is more academic, more of an intellectual, slightly more than Link. Link is more emotional, um, and it was more of a spiritual decision for him. But uh, really went into it thinking uh, 
what is the the reason behind this? These are these are people not um, flippantly deciding this, and in their stories, you could tell that uh, we're talking about years and years of agonizing decisions. So, uh, I want to talk about that a little bit today. One thing that's clear from these uh, episodes that they ran is that they wanted to make it very uh, obvious that they were in. They were not casual or surface-level Christians. They were involved heavily and even aggressively as uh, Christians and even Christian leaders. Um, and they certainly were, they certainly did have positions of authority and were discipling each other and discipling others and uh, involved in ministry. They were uh, not casual Christians. They were serious and they were, and their evidence of this, their evidence of their salvation is that uh, they talk about, Link talks about praying a prayer. Um, Rep is, describes more intellectual assent, but but um, a serious faith and a belief in the the essentials and in going further and uh, the whole uh, nine yards, as it were. Further evidence to them is the strictness of their lifestyle and then um, how much time, how uh, the quantity of time spent uh, in, not only in ministry but in prayer together and with others and in involvement in ministry, their responsibility, lots of very credible, credible evidence of a sincere Christian. Uh, that's not something to be taken lightly, but um, so uh, you know you want when you hear a deconversion story like that, or maybe Marty Marty Sampson was hinting at it from Hills Hill Song, or something as serious as Joshua Harris, who was a minister in the Reformed community. Um, you want to hear something that tells you this person was never a believer, and that it's obvious. And like Joshua Harris, that's really hard to do in this case. Um, if I listen to probably an hour of Rhett's interview and 45 minutes of links, uh, before I, I was saying to myself, this looks like two false conversions and people who had been thrust into leadership uh, because of uh, credibility they had gained from people, but were in fact um, not believers. Of course, we can't say that for sure, but it certainly looks like that. It makes it easier to believe uh, that someone is leaving the faith. Um, they look like their conversions. Um, links was going forward in a church service, but both look like emotional campfire type um, 
conversions sort of pray this prayer. In fact, that's what Link said. They prayed, he prayed a prayer with somebody. Somebody led him through a prayer. And then, uh, of course, that's the type of uh, emotional decision that is problematic. And uh, we see this a lot in a lot of the mass conversions. You know, crusades, massive people come, amounts of people go forward. And we see a lot of people not staying with the faith. In this case, they stayed with it, of course. But uh, the problem with an emotional decision is that when the emotion leaves, the decision is left hanging there, and you're at least questioning it. And of, and that needs to be qualified because an emotion, emotion with an actual conversion is completely appropriate. But if there's not an actual conversion, and then there's just an emotional decision, and the emotion leaves, you might try to keep getting the emotion back with praise music or keeping yourself in that environment or doing things associated with that. And that can go on for a long time. Certainly there are people in ministry and involved in ministry for long periods of time that don't have an actual faith, a real saving faith. Uh, and that's problematic. We've made it okay to have surface level faith. The Bible talks about that being a case in First uh, Peter 1 uh, where it says uh, be eager to make your calling and election sure. Make sure, you know, and it's telling people um, and Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount um, many will say to me Lord, I, I prophesied in your name. I did many miracles, many, many good deeds in your name, even miracles. And he will respond by saying, I never knew you. There was a never, never a point where I really knew you. If you talk about the parable of the seed sower, there are certainly seeds that look like they are taking sprout. And then the devil yanks them away. Those are people not responding because they've not been regenerated. They have had an experience, like in Hebrews 6, where they've tasted of the truth, even felt the effects of it, even the emotion, uh, the common grace of it, the, some blessing there. But they are not truly of the faith. They are not regenerated. So we sh it shouldn't be that hard for us to believe that people can get to that level and not be genuine. And, uh, and that that sort of person is going to be persuaded by the world's arguments. Um, if I could draw a picture to uh, illustrate what they're talking about, it would be it would have a lot of stick figures at the bottom, across the bottom. And then on the top, a big figure of God, uh, maybe just a big circle, and, and also a big book alongside the people. And I'll say, you believe you are regenerated by the God whose ways are higher than your ways, and yet you are pointing to these other stick figures and saying, these men have not found evidence. 
and you're critiquing the big, all-knowing, all-seeing God that you say changed your heart at one time, or you as best as anybody can. And you're critiquing the big book, His Word. Um, You're saying, I put more trust in these other stick figures, these other men that are totally depraved, like I am, who of course are squelching evidence of a God that they're not surrendering to. Um, We should not be surprised at this kind of deconversion because it's not really a, a conversion. It's a realization that there was no conversion, that there was only experience. Romans one eighteen talks about people uh, suppressing the truth with their wickedness. Uh, the idea being, we all know every man, even the the most pagan individual, really knows who God is, and and that there is a God, and to what extent, to cer- to a certain extent, what He's like, uh, and that He's in control, and that we should submit to Him, but they're uh, by nature in rebellion. We don't know what's going on with any of these. Uh, it, nobody knows what's going on in anybody's life, really. But uh, if you look at somebody who was in the faith uh, externally for a while, and then they publicly leave, uh, they're never going to really say, look, it's because I'm bitter, I'm mad at, get, mad at God. God didn't do what I wanted him to do, or circumstances got too bad. And we and we all really uh, have a line. We have a line where we're we're a little. We would be so disappointed that we'd at least be struggled struggling with our faith. Could God? Why did you do that? Why in the world did you do that? The Psalms are filled with, and in particular, Job, a man of God, saying, "Why in the world would you do this to me?" Uh, Tim Keller talks about how uh, both of those and how Job in particular gets to the point where he's saying, God, I wish I had never been even born. Yet at the end of the book, God says to him, you have done well. You you did good. You didn't sin. Um, And Tim Keller makes the point that this this is a freedom to cry out and... uh, struggle and show a lot of uh, frustration and as long as you don't leave as long as you're staying there and you're saying you're still God I'm angry or whatever but I'm having trouble dealing with this but you're still God and I'm not and uh, I I think that's the difference and that only happens with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit in somebody's life keeps you there and God knows where that line is. And of course, with him, there's no wasted pain with the way he deals with his children. Um, and so the individual who's spinning it, like Joshua Harris is spinning it as a positive. I'm free now. I'm like, 
seeing this as a positive development in my life, you know, or Rhett and Link are certainly saying it that way. Um, there's stuff that they're not saying. There's stuff, there's always hidden agendas in everything, but that we don't necessarily, maybe shouldn't even have to share. But uh, the right perspective to have in this, the right angle is to say, look, uh, I know the theology involved here. You might be suppressing the truth or you might be uh, rebelling against God. The Bible talks about suppressing the truth. The Bible talks about making your calling and election sure and not everyone who professes. Not all of Israel is Israel. And we need to constantly be checking and not take anything for granted. And a correct perspective is not thrown back. Our, our faith is not shaken by a big deconversion story like this. Um, I know if I finally decided that Christianity wasn't true, I can't imagine a situation, what it would take or anything. I would just give up a lot of stuff maybe and do whatever I wanted to. I w wouldn't devote my life to trying to convince people of anything. Um, so that looks to me like bitterness. But we want to have the right perspective, n not let our faith be shaken. And the world will tell us not to judge. And they like to use... Uh, Jesus' words, judge not, lest you be judged. But of course, that's not saying that we're not allowed to judge. What it's saying is, you will be judged by the same standard. In fact, the, the same chapter says, by their fruit, you will know them. So we can't pound the gavel, the gavel like a judge and say, I know this is true of this person for sure. But we can definitely ask questions, looking at somebody and say, what is the case here? It looks like this. It looks like that. And uh, if we do that, we can have a good perspective where we keep our faith. And our faith isn't shaken because somebody has a good story that looks like they lost their salvation. Anyway... I'm Randy Nichols, and this is The Right Angle.